I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You're now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, Deshaun Reed, all ready to break down the full Raiders 2020 draft, uh, a, a seven-man draft class, all seven players selected in the top 139 picks, all in the first four rounds. Uh, they, they sat out the last three rounds, but um, they were... Uh, you know, we talked to you after round one, and, and they were able to make some interesting picks uh, kind of the rest of the way. Uh, you know, it, it started on Friday where uh, they, they went in the in the second round, no, in the third round, and they got Lynn Bowden Jr. out of Kentucky, um, then picked up, you know, he's a receiver, running back type that they're going to play at running back right now, and uh, a guy who played quarterback there at Kentucky. Um, then they added Brian Edwards, um, another kind of big-bodied receiver. Uh, they added Tanner Muse, a, a linebacker safety kind of hybrid type. Uh, John Simpson, a guard out of Clemson, and uh, and kicked it off, at, finished it up in the in the fourth round with uh, Amik Robertson, a uh, really kind of a smaller but tenacious cornerback out of Louisiana Tech. Um, just initial thoughts to Sean on on how the Raiders were able to fill out their roster, getting seven picks uh, in the top one thirty nine. Yeah, I think you know everybody was kind of you know freaking out about them not having a second round pick going into the draft and. You know, I think it kind of balanced out in the long run because most teams don't have that many third rounders or that many picks in the first four rounds, you know. So while some other teams maybe have, you know, some seconds, but they're also picking in fifth, sixth, and seventh, you know. So it kind of, I don't think it was a big of a deal as people made it to be going out into it. Um, and even though, you know, they may have been able to trade down in 19, uh, you know, they were able to pull off a couple of trades later to kind of maximize their draft capital. Um, you know, I think they got at least two starters out of this, you know, in the first round. And then I think the rest of the players, uh, it's more about depth. And I think, you know, that may not always be exciting for everyone. You know, they always want you to draft a starter or a few starters seemingly every year. Um, but I think not having to do that is a sign that your team is getting better. Um, and they're obviously not quite where they want to be yet. But I think, you know, these are kind of the steps that you have to take when you're trying to build up and, and sustain something for a long time. And so, I think Brian Edwards, he's somebody that potentially I think would out of the group of, you know, outside of the first round, I think he, he may be, become a starter faster than anybody else just because, you know, that situation with Tyrell Williams, just kind of being his last guaranteed year, um, you know, if things don't really go according to plan. I think he's somebody that could make that leap relatively quickly. I thought uh, Mayock did a bad job of teasing us with the whole like three starters in the third round thing. People got excited about that and it turns out he drafted a a backup running back. I like Edwards a lot. It was a good pick. But uh, Terry Muse, I thought was a big reach. Uh, kind of a, a backup linebacker kind of a project. Um, special teams but, war daddy. Come on. Yeah, I love that. He said he's a special teams <laughs> war daddy, which is kind of a cool little moniker. But, again, I think he would have been there a lot later. I just I know you love Clemson guys. But, to me, to say you're going to get three starters in the third round and you, you don't come close is a little uh, – I don't know, alarming, but uh, yeah, I thought it was a fine draft. I thought it was a good haul. I like the playmakers. I think Bowden's a big-time playmaker. I think he'll be uh, a guy that can move around a lot in different spots. It's kind of an exciting new toy. Edwards was my like 11th-ranked receiver. I think he went 16th. Uh, if he hadn't gotten hurt with his broken foot and he had a knee injury last year, I think he'd be a lot higher. He's a big guy, definitely a playmaker, likes to uh, get those 50-50 balls and kind of run over guys. So I like him a lot. I think he definitely was maybe the best pick in terms of value in, in this draft. 
Yeah, I think the Raiders, I mean, obviously Ruggs is going to be a starter and they're, they're going to expect him to make an impact early on. Arnett is going to be battling for a spot on the outside. Um, and Bo- Bowden is, you know, we were not exactly sure how big of a role he's going to have quite yet, but, you know, they're going to have him as running back to split him out wide. I'm sh- you know, I'm sure they'll have a Taysom Hill type package for him. So he'll get some playing time. Um, and yeah, I, I really like the Brian Edwards uh, pick. Like you said, he, you know, he had a couple injuries that put him down, but he's big, fast. Uh, but I, I don't know this, it, you know, this year, if he's going to make a big impact right away, especially with no training camp and, you know, it, it, the transition from going from college to NFL could be tough uh, on receivers, especially uh, this year when you're not going to get a lot of reps um, in, in training camp. You know, we know Ruggs is going to get a bunch of reps with the first team, but, you know, I, I don't know how much reps Edwards going to get. I don't know how much time he's going to have to prepare. So maybe later down the line, later in the season, he might challenge Tyrell Williams for that starting spot. Uh, but I think it'll, uh, it'll take some time. And um, Amik Robertson will challenge for the, the, I think, you know, he'll get a chance to challenge uh, for the nickel spot. Uh, but we'll see, again, we'll see how that goes. I think that'll be an interesting battle. You know, I know when they were coming up at, at 139, uh, and you knew that was, at, at the time, it was, it was the last pick that they had. You know, I think probably a common thought, my thought was that they're probably going to trade down and, and pick up a couple extra picks because, you know, they're, they're not going to want to sit out the rest of the draft. But they didn't. They, they took uh, Robertson there, who seems like a really intriguing prospect, you know, small, but um, you know, a lot to like about his numbers and everything he did at Louisiana Tech. But w- what overall did you guys think about that philosophy of, all right, you know what, we're not going to worry about the, the late rounds of the draft. I mean, personally, for me, when you look at it, yeah, I mean, there are, you know, your fifth, sixth rounders every year that come out and become really good players. But for the most part, those late round guys are guys that are, you know, going to be fighting for a roster spot, fighting to maybe be a backup, a special teams guy. And as we know, with the the way this offseason program is going to go, it, it's going to be harder for rookies to get up to speed. And so I kind of like the idea of, I mean, a normal NFL draft is seven rounds. They got their seven picks, and to be able to concentrate them all really in the top, what, 60% of the draft and the top 139 picks, uh, I I mean, I kind of like that, that you were able to just, hey, let's focus on those four rounds that are the typically the rounds where you get uh, your, your better players. Yeah, I think they were trying to get a pick. I think they were trying to trade Gabe Jackson for a late-round pick, and no teams were biting. So I think they would have jumped back in if they had gotten that. But I, I like what you're saying. I definitely agree that it's going to be hard, be hard for rookies to make this, this roster in terms of the whole NFL if you're a late-round pick this year because of the lack of uh, off-season programs and probably a delayed training camp and stuff. I think Robertson was a good value pick. I don't know if they had offers to trade down, but I think he definitely was lower than he was supposed to go because of his height. I think he definitely some teams were scared off, but you watch his film, it's pretty good. So I think they they, uh, they like his tenacity and definitely his attitude and his kind of a physicality, even in a small package. Yeah, I think it was a good strategy, um, you know, especially with the shortened offseason. Uh, I, I mean, I'd rather take a Meek Robertson, who I think could challenge LaMarcus Joyner in a, for a nickel spot rather than, you know, a sixth, seventh round draft pick that um, I think will have a tough time making the team. So I, I like that strategy. Yeah, I was going to say just, you know, I think particularly as you were saying with the pandemic, um, there's just not much of a chance for a, a sixth or seventh rounder to, to make the team, you know, without having the OTAs and, and regular offseason workout program. Um, 
you know, and they just don't have that many spots that, you know, they need somebody at. I would, I would say, you know, I, I think they pretty much addressed all their major pressing needs in the draft at that point. You know, kind of like I said earlier, they were just adding depth. Um, and so I don't think it's, you know, I know some people, like I said, they kind of want the traditional setup of the draft and having all your picks evenly spread out. But it, as long as you get what you need, I don't really think it particularly matters. Yeah, so let's you know let's get more into each individual guy. Obviously, we talked a lot about Rugs and and Arnett, uh, you know, in our show after the first round. Um, you know, we'll give Ted a little opportunity to talk more about Arnett just because you uh, we posted here Sunday morning uh, your your film study of Damon Arnett, and you know he was a guy that you said you liked in the pre-draft process, and and certainly after the Raiders selected him, you're you're able to go back and really study him even more. What did you find kind of looking at him even deeper now that you're kind of knowing where he's going, what his fit's going to be like with the Raiders? What did you like about him even more as you studied him again? Uh, He he was just really, he had a great play strength for, um, for a guy that's average size with really short arms, but he just was able to muscle receivers that are, are a lot bigger than him. I thought one of his best games was against Clemson against uh, Justin Ross, who's six uh, four and probably going to be a pretty high first round draft pick next year. If he uh, continues to play the way he has um, and he has really fluid hips moves really easily. He's a willing tackler. Obviously Gruden called him the best tackle in his draft, probably being a little hyperbolic, but he's a really good tackler. Uh, very aggressive at the, at the catch point. Uh, he has good ball skills and uh, he, he's aggressive. He knows how to pull that ball out. Uh, but he's a little impatient when he's playing press. He'll shuffle a little too far outside sometimes. He, he he's inconsistent getting a jam, um, and he you know his lack of length shows up at times when he is going up for the ball. He does make a lot of contact, and he, sometimes he wasn't called for it uh, last season. Uh, so that's just something that, you know, he has to learn to be better with his hands. Great defensive backs use their hands and they can, they know how to get away with little holds and he just have to be, has to be a little less obvious about it. Uh, so there's a lot to like about his game. Super competitive. Uh, just wish that athletic profile was a little better. But, you know, Chris Carter said he was injured when he was running at 40. Uh, but I, I think his draft stock will look totally different if he, you know, if he might have ran a 4-4 at the combine instead of a high 4-5. All right, well, let's go through uh, the, the day two and day three picks one by one. Uh, we'll start with Lynn Bowden Jr., guy from Kentucky who, um, you know, had, had really played a lot of different positions. Uh, receiver is, is kind of where he you know, was sitting at in, in the draft rankings. Uh, in, uh, in Dane Brugler's uh, The Beast, he had him as the 19th rated receiver. Obviously, the Raiders announced him as a running back, and that's where they plan to play him. But he's a guy who has... You know, quarterback experience, um, not necessarily, you know, a, a guy you, you want passing the ball. Um, but, you know, they're, hey, if you're, if you're talking about some gadget trick plays and whatnot, it's kind of nice to have a guy who has that experience. Um, he, you know, background kind of guy that, you know, admittedly ran, kind of ran with the wrong crowd growing up and, and uh, t- took some time to mature, but, uh, you know, has a son and, and kind of was able to figure all that stuff out and end up being a, a team captain there at Kentucky. Um, what do you guys like about him the most? I mean, it just seems like he's, he's a guy that if you're John Gruden and you're kind of, you know, maybe trying to be a little bit more creative with your offense, uh, he's a guy that you don't really have to pigeonhole as, as being any particular thing. He can be a guy that you can just have do a lot of different things for you. I think the biggest thing for me is just his versatility. You know, as you were saying, you know, whether it's him lining up as a traditional running back or, you know, wildcat quarterback formations or, or lining up in the slot. And I think he's somebody that, 
he may be more of a luxury pick at that at that spot than a need necessarily. Um, I know there were some traditional running backs still available that they could have grabbed um, to kind of complement Josh Jacobs a little bit better. Um, but I think he's someone that, particularly in the return game, I know that you know I, I think it was Mayock kind of spoke to the Rugs' ability in the return game, but I don't know if you want your 12th overall pick really, you know, taking that kind of beating. But I think somebody like Bowden. You know, he's somebody that could be electric, both in kick returns and punt returns. So I think just his overall impact that he can have on the game, he may not have, you know, at the end of the season, the, the greatest you know season total numbers, but he's just somebody that can touch, you know, various facets of the offense. Yeah, when the, when the pick was made, I was surprised because you know, most teams had him as a receiver, a slot receiver on the next level. That's why I did all the receiving film I watched. And I think I had him ranked like uh, 17th or 16th or 18th amongst my receivers. I thought that's why I didn't put him with the Raiders because I thought – they love Hunter Renfro in the slot. Why would they want to draft another slot guy? But uh, it makes sense if you're going to use him all over the field. I think they like him as a running back. I think they definitely think he'll be a big-time punt returner. So, uh, again, it's not like a, <clears throat> a home run pick, but definitely is very interesting. I think it definitely puts some pressure on John Gruden as far as the playbook and opening things up more than he has in the past. Yeah, I think fans wanted a, a big, bruising running back to compliment Jacobs, but I don't think it's – you don't have to be a bruiser to be a, a spellback. You just have to be effective running between the tackles. And, you know, that has to do with vision and pad level and uh, leg drive. And, and I, I think Bowden has surprisingly strong legs and really good leg drive for a guy that really doesn't weigh that much. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to project to be a good running, running back. It takes some experience and uh, being able to see blocks develop and learn these concepts. So it's going to take some time for him to, really developed as a running back. Uh, but so, uh, Tayshawn, you, you might know better than me, but was the quarterback for Kentucky hurt and then they put him Bowden in as quarterback? Is that what happened or did he decide to make a change? I just think their offense was pretty bad early on in the season. And it was kind of one of those situations where I, I want to say, I, I guess it, it might be kind of like similar to what happened with the Ravens, even though Flacco did get hurt. Um, but then they kind of just had to revamp the entire – they decided to just go all in on Bowden because he was their best player, obviously, on offense. And I think they just wanted to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. Um, so I don't know if it was necessarily an injury situation. It's more about, you know, this trying to win games at the end of the season. Yeah, I, regardless, I mean, that, that Kentucky offense was really fun to watch with Bowden and quarterback. I'm sure Gruden was watching and copying some of these plays and, you know, putting them aside – his little Taysom Hill package. So that should be uh, fun to watch next year. Well, I mean, Tashawn's already created the package for him, right? He's got him a wild card quarterback <laughs> and Derek Carr on the bench and, uh, and getting the, the car fans all riled up. Oh, that was bold. That was bold. That, 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 that was a quick lesson <laughs> in, in how, uh, how NFL fans, Raider fans uh, in yeah. particular, uh, they, they don't, they take everything uh, pretty seriously, right? Yeah, apparently. I didn't think people, um, thought that was too serious I like, especially like when i went with the the uh josh jacobs like zone reads coming out the backfield <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right well brian edwards guys uh you know kind of the more traditional size receiver uh you know six three almost 212 um i i you know we don't know 
really what do we know about his speed because obviously uh, injured and didn't get to work out at the combine no pro day um i i mean it, so there's not really a firm kind of 40 time on him i guess that would be the question is you know does he have uh does he have the speed to kind of combine with that size i don't think he has game breaking speed necessarily but i don't think you have to you know considering how how big he is and i think the more important thing is he's pretty fluid as a route runner you know it's not like he just tries to out muscle guys or every ball has to be a jump ball or you know he's only good on fly routes like he's able to create separation that way you know and being deceptive and uh, you know creating space rather than he's not going to burn past guys you know, he's never going to be that guy I don't think but I don't think they necessarily need him to be yeah he, he's really fluid for a, a guy that's that big and he, he does have some speed. I mean, there there I was watching an Alabama game and he he just separated again. There was one play where he just uh, was going deep against Trayvon Diggs, uh, Alabama corner who was drafted by the Cowboys, uh, and he he just separated, got like three or four steps um, separation from him. So he, he I think he, you know he's not explosive, but he's a guy that could build up speed, kind of like Torrey Smith. Um, so yeah, I, I, he's a really interesting draft pick, and he he made some really spectacular catches too including one against uh, Robertson a couple of years ago when they, when they played each other. Um, I think he suffered a hand injury. So he did suffer some, some he had some drops because of that injury. Uh, so that might've put his stock down too, but he, he's a really interesting draft pick. And, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't know if he can make an instant impact right away. Uh, but I think as he gets, he learns his offense and he gets more reps later in the season, he could start really kind of a, you know, being productive. Yesterday was a, uh, or this weekend was a bad weekend for Keelan Doss and for Zay Jones and Marcel Aitman. Those guys definitely uh, got a wake up call. I think Edwards may not be a, a huge impact guy this year, but I think he will uh, sooner than later. I think he definitely has all the tools you want in a receiver. Definitely can get open. He has great hands. He's very tough. I think um, it's funny how John Gruden a couple times said his favorite player that he's ever coached was Sterling Sharp, who went to South Carolina. I'm sure when he saw that. This guy, Edwards, was the all-time leading receiver at South Carolina. I'm sure that got John's attention. I think that maybe perked his interest a little bit, but he watched the film and obviously fell in love with him. And I liked how on the tape they show when the when Gruden calls these guys up at home to tell them they're coming to the Raiders, how a couple times he told uh, Edwards, hey, man, you don't have to run everybody over. You can always, like, you know, miss a tackle. You can try out run. Don't run people over to the food line. Just kind of, you know, pick your spot. So I think he's definitely trying to impose on him the idea that kind of, you know, relax a little bit and not always uh, risk your body uh, too much. Well, Keelan Doss, the, the Alameda story doesn't matter anymore. We need somebody from Henderson, Nevada. It's, I mean, it's weird. The whole thing, the Keelan Doss, the whole thing last year. I'm sure he's, it was a roller coaster for him and for fans. Kind of like, there was a lot of hype and it kind of disappeared. And now they kind of moved on already. So, and we'll see what happens in training camp. But it definitely doesn't look like he'll, he'll have a hard time making this roster all of a sudden. All right, well, now it's time to get in-depth on, on Tanner Muse, uh, the safety linebacker out of Clemson. Um Special teams guy, um, and, and I don't, you know, that's not something that's going to get people excited when you hear them drafting a, a special teams guy in the third round um, who's probably going to be, you know, a backup type on your defense. But I guess Rich Basaccia might, might be pretty happy with that one. I don't know because uh, he already has this guy Kyle Wilbur, so is this guy going to take uh, Wilbur's spot? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's too happy about this because I can't imagine to keep both those guys, can you? Wilbur and Muse, they're both – Primarily teams guys and not going to play a lot at linebacker. I mean, that's a tough call. But, um, yeah, you know, Muse, I think it's interesting. I, again, I mentioned earlier I thought it was a, a big-time reach, and I get it. He's a smart kid, and he blew away Mayock on the Zoom meetings. But, like, when you do all these mock drafts, I mean, we did a bunch of these, and 
obviously, if you're doing the Raiders, you look at every freaking Clemson player there is because you know that's where they're going to lean. So I looked at Muse a lot for like a fifth round spot. And I couldn't pull a trigger then. I didn't think there's enough twitchiness in, in, in his movements. I think he's uh, obviously a big kid who I don't know if he's going to really project well at the next level, either at safety or linebacker. So I didn't, I couldn't pull a trigger in the fifth round for him. But um, again, May actually really blew him away in the meetings, knew all the linebacker fits, and very smart kid. I guess he's uh, so um, interesting pick. I, I don't quite get it in the third round, but uh, you know, it doesn't matter where you pick him; it matters what what they do. Yeah, it was a little high for me, too. I think particularly with Davion Taylor still being on the board, linebacker out of Colorado, that was somebody that I think both Vic and I probably would have preferred at this spot. Um, you know, he has similar speed as Tanner Muse. Um, he would have been useful on special team as well, but I think he has more long-term upside as actual linebacker. Yeah, I mean, if Mayock was going through linebacker fits uh, with them on a Zoom meeting, then uh, I assume they are looking at him, you know, as a special teams guy this year and maybe as a developmental linebacker uh, down the line. So if, if they really do believe in his um, ability to play uh, linebacker and develop at that position, then drafting him in the third round make, makes more sense than just drafting him primarily to play on um, special teams. I, I didn't, get a great look at him because I didn't really study him much. Uh, but I did notice him a few times while I was watching Isaiah Simmons make, make a few plays. So uh, yeah, I don't know much about him, but if they really project him to be a linebacker, I could see that, you know, kind of get why they would draft him in the third round. All right. Well, into the fourth round, uh, they went back to the Clemson well. So five Clemson guys over the last two years, uh, you know, throwing Josh Jacobs and uh, and Henry Ruggs, uh, two Alabama guys. And I mean, that was basically Mike Mayock's first scouting trip uh, that he made as, as Raiders GM. What it was like, you know, later that week after he was announced, he went down to Levi Stadium and, and watched Alabama and Clemson in that national title game. And he's drafted seven players so far that played in that game. Uh, they took John Simpson, uh, a left guard from Clemson, and and this was a pick that maybe really kind of had you thinking. All right, you know we know that Gabe Jackson is on the trade block already. Um, this might kind of help even further push them to to see what they can get for Gabe Jackson, and maybe they were still that was their thinking, and just nothing came through. But uh, Simpson was a guy. Uh, Brugler had him as his second rated guard uh, in the draft class, and uh, a guy that was a projected third round pick, I think. And they get him there in the fourth round, so uh, pretty good value for uh, a guy that obviously played some high level football at Clemson. Yeah, I think Dayton actually hit him in the head. I think he had him going in the third round to the Raiders. I think he I was it was a around early, but he had him going to the Raiders. And I had heard, also heard that they were high on him. But I didn't put a lot into it because, again, they made all these moves at guard. They, I mean, they already have Gabe Jackson. They re-signed Denzel Good to a pretty good sum extension. To And then they got uh, Jordan Devy, Eric Cush, a veteran guard. So that, that's, Incognito, uh, of course. Incognito's back again. So that's a lot of guards. So I'm not sure why you would take one in the fourth round. I get they love him. He's going to be a future starter. But to me, that definitely puts the nail in the coffin as far as Gabe Jackson. I know I asked Mac about it yesterday. He said no, that Gabe is still there. We're starting the right tackle. But I don't know, man. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I think you, you've added now, I mean, that's four tackles you've added. I think um, you know, Gabe's $9.6 million salary is not guaranteed. Uh, it becomes guaranteed June 1st. you got some time. I guess you can keep trying and chop him. But I think teams know at this point you're not going to, you know, they're going to cut him eventually if you don't trade him. So why would you trade for him? So, uh, 
I guess if you love the kid, it's a good move because you're moving, you're looking ahead. But uh, I didn't put it down as a need because I thought they were already well stocked their guard. Yeah, Simpson on the, his call yesterday, he told us that obviously he prefers playing on the left side, but he's, you know, starting to work on learning, you know, how to play on the right as well. But I think, you know, it could be, even though it does seem like Gabe Jackson's days are numbered as being the Raiders, but uh, with Simpson, maybe he's more of a long term solution for incognito because, I mean, he is, what, 36 years old? Um, so he's not going to be around too much longer. Uh, so maybe this is somebody that, you know, he's more of a two or three years down the line. I think he can kind of step in and, and become their next starter on the left side. Do the Raiders gain a lot from saving that money this year if they cut Gabe? I mean, they save, I mean, I guess they can always sign other players. Right now, I think they're down about a million dollars. You got to clip some more space to sign all these rookies, and you can always, you know, you always attack needs later on. At, you know, when you get to camp, you might sign some better. There are a lot of veteran guys out there who are still pretty decent players. So I think you want some more money if you want to do that. I think there's still some needs to have on the team, but. Yeah, I don't know if there's any immediate things that jump out why you need $9 million to, to have, but I just don't think it makes sense to, I mean, I, you just, we signed Jordan Devy and Eric Cush, so are those guys going to be cut? And Denzel Good got, I think, almost $2 million a year. I mean, so I did, again, I mean, I think the writing is kind of on the wall. And there's always the idea that you can, you know, any extra cap space. I mean, you don't want to spend money that you don't need to spend. So you don't just spend right up to the cap unless you need to. So if you can save money, there's always rolling it over to the next year um, is is a factor that these teams consider. It's always that rolling cap. So I mean, yeah, if you if he's if you have other options that are at least close to as good as him for a lot less than nine million, then I think you would you would definitely want to save that money. Yeah, it seems like having. O line continuity in this year, where you're you're probably gonna have a pretty short training camp, would be good. But you know, um, yeah, I just didn't see what you know why they needed to save that money unless they do have some people in mind that they they want to sign right away. Uh, but to me, it just seems like having that same uh, starting five would be beneficial going into the year. All right, guys, let's take a look at the final of the Raiders draft picks. Uh, we talked about him already a little bit, but Louisiana Tech cornerback, Amik Robertson, um, you know, he's he's fun to watch his film, right? I mean, you look at the numbers, uh, 14 career interceptions, uh, 48 career passes defended, um, you know, gets in the backfield, 23 career tackles for losses, um, I think three career pick sixes. Uh, He's he's a guy that that makes plays even if he doesn't have the the size that you would normally want. Yeah, and I like him kind of, you know, it's kind of the elephant in the room, but he's kind of similar to Lamarcus Joyner, both in size and what he did in college. Uh, you know, Joyner coming out of Florida State, he was you know kind of seen as a combo between maybe a free safety and a nickelback, and I think that's you know where Robertson ultimately lands I think they like him the most at, at nickelback and that's where he's gonna you know work this season particularly with some of the signings that they made at safety like Demarius Randall and already having Eric Harris there but you know kind of further down the line I think he's the guy that maybe could play multiple positions for them even with some of the physical limitations that he has do you think if Bowden did beat LaMarcus Joyner out for a nickel spot does it mean that the Raiders would cut LaMarcus Joyner or do you think they'll keep him for depth no, he's guaranteed. Like I, I have it in front of me, but it's a lot of money. It's like is it nine million, ten million dollars a year this year? I mean, he's getting a lot. Of, I can't imagine they cut him. So I think uh, if, if worst case, now they're probably moving back to uh, safety. But I know they think he's better at, at uh, nickel than safety. So I think he's the guy this year. I think you know, all these guys could project his future replacements. I don't. I don't think he'll be back next year, but probably his last year with, with the Raiders. So I definitely think that, um, 
they are looking ahead, and, and but um, as far as this year goes, I can't imagine Marcus Joyner's not the, the starting nickel corner. Yeah, it'll be if they cut him before the 2021 season, they'll only be on the hook for about two and a half million. But if they cut him now, they would they would owe him all the money for the season. Yeah, dead cap hit this year of eleven point seven five million uh, if they were to cut him. So that is not happening. <laughs> He's a $9.2 million cap hit this year, but a dead cap hit would be 11.75, so not happening. It's not, it's not really ideal that they were already planning to replace uh, two of their big free agent signings and him and Tyrell Williams. That's not a good a good sign, but uh, I get it. Things change, but um, you look at it, they're kind of just, you know, they're repeatedly plugging holes they haven't really filled adequately, but um, I like this kid. I think this kid's a, a junkyard dog. I really think he's got a great mentality. If he was 5'10", he gets picked a lot higher, but he is 5'8", and uh, you know, obviously the NFL is a much tougher caliber of opponent for cornerbacks. So interesting to see what he does. I think it's a nice hedge against uh, Arnett. If Arnett's not all that he's supposed to be, and this kid's better than he's supposed to be, maybe you know it's like last year. You got you know Ferrell and, and Max Crosby, and who would have thought Crosby would be the guy that was making the plays, and, and Ferrell was the other guy. So that could be the, the case here. It could be uh, kind of to get two shots at it, two, two shots to get an impact cornerback. If you're the Raiders, let's just hope at this point next year we're not talking about who they're drafting to try to replace Corey Littleton. <laughs> oh, touche. How's it going? Well, they got Lyle Tanner Muse. Tanner yeah, Muse is ready. Tanner right? Muse. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're trying to take care of. So. Yeah, special teams, guys. How, how Littleton started off. Special teams, and then all of a sudden, you know, just breaks out. There we go. All right, guys, let's take a few questions here. Uh, you know, now that we've got, uh, you can comment on uh, on the podcast if you're on the Athletic app. I decided to let's let's give a little special access to uh, some of our Athletic subscribers, and uh, we'll take some questions that came in uh, in the comment section of the last show uh, here from Parmvir. While you can definitely see the Kansas City influence in our draft, what do you think our strategy is for being competitive versus Kansas City? As in, shore up the secondary, improve passing game, and try to compete in shootouts. I personally would think slowing the game down and going ground and pound to limit Casey's possessions would be the best bet. Well, I think that is the plan. I mean, Gruden said it was on Sirius XM. He said, you know what, just because we've got these receivers doesn't mean we're going to go uh, go nuts. We're going to still run three tight ends. We're going to pound the ball with Ingold and Jacobs. So I think they're going to try and mix. They're going to try and slow things down. But now they'll have the ability to actually go five wides if they have to and attack it that way. So I don't think Gruden's going to change that much. I think they'll definitely have some more toys now. But you're going to still see a lot of the same um, methodical you know, drives that you've seen with him in the past. So I think that this guy – this reader may make it his wish. Yeah, I think offensively they're kind of built or they're trying to be built to where they can do both. You know, they can still run out those two to three tight end sets and use a fullback, but they also have the receivers where if they want to go four wide or five wide or my weird little wildcat package <laughs> that I made up, they can do it. And then, I mean, defensively, obviously, you know, shoring up the secondary is a huge priority. That's one where you had Derek Carr on the bench, right? That's one. That's one. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's that's Derek Carr somewhere on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, defensively, I mean, you know, a lot is, is riding on Jonathan Abram actually being, you know, everything they expect for him to be um, on that back end. But I think, you know, between Eric Harris and Demarius Randall, the other safety spot should be pretty solid, at least compared to last year. Um, you know, as long as Trayvon Mullen stays on his upward trajectory, you know, they, they at least should be good at one corner spot. And then we'll see how these young guys pan out um, along with Lamarcus Joyner. I think, you know, the, the secondary is still going to be a bit of a work in progress this year. They're going to be growing pains when, anytime that you have that many young guys. Um, but I think, you know, 
maybe a couple years, two or three years down the line, they'd be in a better position. And I think Mayock was pretty honest about that when, when he was asked about it. I think it was yesterday. You know, it, I mean, he didn't say that, but he's pretty much signaling that they're not on the Chiefs level yet. But, you know, it's an active process trying to get there. All right, question here now from James. Uh, at running back, where does Bowden fit between Jacobs and Richard? Will we add another? Uh, and what's happening with Isaiah Crowell? And uh, then the second part of his question is her linebacker. Any chance they convert Vic's guy, Arden Key, to linebacker? <laughs> oh, my guy. Um, yeah, he played a linebacker last year, if I recall. They, they tried him out some spots here now and then. So I think they're going to move him around. I think they're still holding out hope that uh, – and keep some weight on, and, and uh, he showed some flashes early on last year, more than he had the previous year. So, you know, don't don't fall asleep on Arn Key quite yet. But uh, that's um, the first part of the question. I think um, I think Rod Smith is their short yardage guy. I think they, they re-signed him kind of quietly. I think they like him enough where he'll be that guy if they need him to be in, in that role. I think um, I'm not sure where, where Jalen uh, and Bowden in terms they fall in as far as the third down reps. I think they obviously gave Jalen a pretty good check, so I think he definitely has a role still, but. Sounds like they want uh, Bowden to do some of that stuff. So uh, that'll be one of those kind of uh, cool training camp battles if, if we ever get there. Yeah, Richard would be really tough to to take a spot because he, he's so good in pass protection and he's so good in those little option routes that uh, he, he I think he'll definitely have a role with this team. Uh, and, and Alec Ingold was a pretty good short yardage back up until they just started telegraphing <laughs> that they're going to give him the ball every single time. Um, so, you know, again, I, I don't think the Raiders need that big bruising short yardage back, uh, necessarily, but I mean, if they get a little more creative instead of just, you know, motioning everybody out of the backfield and having Ingold there right behind the quarterback, Ingold and will be fine. And, you know, if they mix it up a bit, they'll, they'll be fine in short yardage situations. I know he had zero carries last year, but maybe to give Rod Smith the ball once or twice, maybe. Yeah, what? How many games was he active for? What? Only a couple down the stretch, but yeah, but he. I think he. I don't know how many snaps he ever played. He barely. There was that there. game last year. Where they had like a third and one. He was on the, on the field. Of the year it was in their roster, and they gave the ball to Rashard, I believe. I think on yeah. third and one, and he got stuffed. But uh, so yeah, they, they like him enough to bring him back, but not enough to use him. So I think he's in that kind of limbo <laughs> land. But so we'll see what happens. But uh, he's a big guy, and uh, definitely had some flashes early on in his career, but not, not quite enough to sustain it on, on one team. He's kind of moved around a little bit. But uh, they brought him back, so I was surprised by that enough where that, I think they definitely have some uh, some eyes on getting a role for him uh, somewhat. He's a former Cowboy. They'll bring in any former Cowboy. Ah, touche, touche. How many backs can you make active on game day when you have 10 tight ends and six guards? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, question the here Bears, from Mark. The Bears actually have 10 tight ends? That's amazing. 10 tight ends. I couldn't believe that stat yesterday when I saw that. Gruden is jealous, man. Gruden wants to get traded to Chicago. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. I don't know what you're trying to, to pull. I mean, Bears media got to be all over that one. That's just absurd. But, if you have 10 tight ends, that probably means you have none. Yeah, but why? again, if, so if you have none, why do you have 10? Because you don't, because you you want three, and you're gonna have those ten basically in like a gladiator fight to uh, to see who the three are. Because you don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Here's a free idea for Bears.com. You put all ten guys in the same <laughs> like uh, apartment at training camp. It's like a reality <laughs> show. That'd be gold. Right. The, the Athletic Chicago is gonna set that up. Together. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, question from our guy Garth. Uh, 
says, My brother Eric is a lifelong diehard Raiders fan, but also an eternal Raiders optimist. After day two of the draft, he hyped me up that our offense is going to be sick. Problem is, I'm jaded as I've heard that so many times the past few seasons. Remember in July when we talked about our receiving depth and how many weapons we had? We got the same O-line, QB, running back, wide receiver one, Williams, as last year. So question, is our time to get hyped about our offensive weapons after this draft? Can we finally kick into a higher gear we haven't gotten the past few years? And we kind of talked about that the other day. Like We always start thinking, hey, this receiving core is looking really good. They got weapons. Is, is this finally the time to get excited about the weapons, or, or do we still have to wait and see it? I think that's probably what we have to do. Yeah, I think even Ruggs is not a guy you can really project to be the impact guy day one. I think he wasn't the number one guy in Alabama. I love all his, his skill set and his tools, and definitely his, his game-breaking ability, but he's not a guy who was really the main guy in Alabama. So you wonder, it's going to be definitely an adjustment period for him also. So I think he's a guy also who can take some time. We mentioned Edwards will take a little bit of time. We're not sure what Bowden's role is going to be, so... There's not really that huge, like, you know, impact guy we can really point our finger at as far as day one. Yeah, I, I think it's going to take some time for Edwards to develop. But, I mean, last year, you know, and the Antonio Brown miss, you know, getting trade or getting cut is kind of, you know, it was a big deal. So, um, this year you're going to have a health, healthy Tyrell Williams. Uh, if Ruggs can at least take the top off the defense and maybe uh, get a deep pass, once or twice a game, I think that'll make a huge difference uh, for this offense. What kind of odds are you guys give me that uh, the leading receiver for the Raiders next year is Nelson Aguilar? Most catches. Uh, I, is he making the team? <laughs> oh, he's making the team, baby. He's he's. I mean, don't sleep on Nelson Aguilar. That's the guy. So let's see who the receiving the receivers are going to be. Rugs, Williams, catches. Rugs, okay, he drops Williams. Ten like percent of his passes. So he would need like a hundred tar- like I don't know, hundred forty targets to get to seventy catches. I, I, I mean, let, 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 <laughs> how, how, what are their receivers? It's going to be Ruggs, Williams, Renfro, uh, Edwards, Aguilar. That's five. That's it. All right. That's it. That's that's the five. And and you've and got Jones Bo- has an outside chance because I've been working with Derek Carr every day during the, uh, during yeah. the pandemic. But uh, I think he's in trouble. But Poor I, think Aguilar, I, think I think they're pretty high in Aguilar. I think that's a guy who. Um, it's going to surprise some people as far as the, all these fantasy guys that are crunching numbers and then look at the uh, production. He'll be, I think he'll get five, six catches a game probably. 80 to 90 catches? Yeah, you going to give us an MJD well, prediction? That's a 73? What's 73? 73. 73. So that's what, five is that uh, five catches? No, four catches a game? You have him starting? Four and a half. Over Rose? Or? I have him playing a lot. I don't know if it's, who's going to – I mean, who doesn't matter who starts, but I have him being in there a lot. There could be a lot of three wideout sets. He can play everywhere. I think he's a guy – it's going to be kind of a sleeper as far as his production this year. All right, we're going to hit Twitter for a couple questions before we get out of here. We do want to, you know, we're not going to make it exclusively to the, the subscriber questions, but one from Manny Rubio, and this is one that I think is is a lot. You're hearing a lot of people say this, think this, or whatever. Does Gruden have more control over the early part of the draft, rounds one and two, and then Mayock have more say in the later rounds? I'd like to think the reaching is because of Gruden, but I could be completely off base here. And obviously, this is, it's a popular thing because everyone wants to, like, there's there's just this crowd out here that just wants to, every great move they make in the draft is Mayock, and, and the reaches are Gruden. I mean, I, I get why people want to kind of pin blame on one, but I would think there is... There's a lot of 
you know, collaboration on this. Um, but but what do you guys think? Is, is it as simple as saying that Gruden reaches and, and Mayock makes all the great moves? No, I think I think definitely. I think Mayock does. He leads all the prep work. He does in charge of all the prep work and the scouting and putting the things together, the, the huge binders and all the – the data, and I think they look at it, and it comes time to make the pick. I think, like, we'll take example the first pick, Rugs. I mean, I think everyone can pretty much guess that was a Gruden pick. I think, I mean, I, I would imagine that Judy was uh, um, maybe higher in some of the people's boards in that, in that room, but I think um, it, Gruden said he wanted a Tyreek Hill type, and that's what Rugs could be, like a game record guy with elite speed. Now you go to the second pick, Arnett, and Mack himself said he spent a lot of time at Ohio State, did a lot of homework on him. So to me, I think that's his pick. I think he definitely. I think Gruden probably says, "You know what? Go ahead. This is this is yours. So you can have this one." And I think they, they talk about. I'm sure they talk about all these things. But I think they kind of do a pick and you know, ebb and flow kind of deal. So I think uh, my sense is that uh, Arnett was definitely a Mayock led led pick. And I mean, you know, Gruden obviously is the guy that does have the last say, the last call on on all roster decisions. So even if there is a Mayock pick, I mean, he still if Gruden says no. It's not happening. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you look at um, some of the picks, even in the first year when he was here with Reggie, I think you look at some of those picks. Those are they're definitely Gruden-led moves and some where he kind of let Reggie do his thing. So I just think it's it's a give and take. I think if, if John feels strongly about one player, they'll probably that they'll get that player. But I think there's definitely some, uh, some deference every now and then. All right, final question here from Oakland Sports Fan wants to know, will this crew stay together during uh, doing the podcast for the upcoming season? And, and yeah, that's uh, that's certainly the plan. Uh, we will, we're will we going to keep this show going. We've added Tashawn in here. Now he's going to be our uh, our beat writer on, on the ground in Vegas all the time uh, once he's able to actually move to Vegas. And um, so, yeah, we're going to, you know, keep this rolling. Um, we'll, you know, obviously it'll be a little bit different than next year since uh, particularly Ted and I will not be on site uh as, as, as often or ever I don't know I don't know how often I'll be able to get out to Vegas but uh yeah that's that's the plan is uh, to keep this show going and uh, definitely cool having having to Sean on now to even give you guys some more insights so uh should be fun yeah no we'll I mean I'll still be part of the podcast I'll try to make it Vegas if uh if it's in a budget I I would not mind flying out to Vegas for a game but I don't know when uh, we're even going to be able to attend games but um yeah uh, you know I enjoy doing this podcast and we're going to keep it going I don't know. It depends. Like if I get lumped into that control group that they're doing out in Vegas. Oh my gosh! <laughs> what the hell? Uh, that was. Uh, there's been a lot of ridiculous things on uh, on TV. That might have been the most ridiculous. That that had that had to have you just itching to get get out there and move out there, right, Deshaun? Yeah, I was like, you know what? I think I'll just stay in St. Louis a little, a little <laughs> yeah. bit longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. All right, guys. Well, cool. Well, this was fun. Uh, it was nice to have a weekend where you know there was actually real stuff going on. Um, I mean, that's been the great thing for for us covering the NFL is that you know even in this pandemic with sports shut down, there is still news happening constantly, and um, the draft was uh, was fun to to follow over the weekend. Uh, Tashawn, how was uh, how was this first weekend covering NFL draft? Uh, pretty pretty exhausting uh, weekend, huh? Yeah, it was tiring, but it went surprisingly smooth. I think me and Vic, you know, don't want to pat ourselves on the back too, but too well. But um, I think we did a pretty good job. Um, I think it kind of helped me, obviously, coming straight from covering college football, um, especially when it came to like writing about some of these guys. Like I already kind of knew about them, so that was kind of easier than I expected, probably. 
Yeah, definitely. With the parasols in the back, it's always good. It's always allowed. But uh, I thought that went pretty smoothly. I thought that it did a nice job. And I felt did a nice job with the whole telecast. And I liked the whole at home uh, with the prospects kind of deal. That was kind of a cool feature this year. I'm not sure how they go back to doing it on stage now with Goodell. But uh, I thought it all went a lot better than uh, I thought it was going to go. I mean, honestly, I thought, you know, our, the coverage just across the whole site. I mean, one of the coolest things for me was that um, all the work done by our college football team that, you know, especially those first couple of days of the draft when, the you know, the, the higher profile guys got picked. I mean, our, our college guys had already written basically pre-written stories and we were able to just pop those right up online about what you know, what Henry Ruggs is going to bring to the Raiders, you know, what Damon Arnett is going to bring to the Raiders. And that was cool that we had that uh, that immediate coverage from our college football writers that really knew these players. You know, it wasn't, you know, we're not having Vic or Tashawn, you know, scrambling to, all right, let me, let me write a quick story about this guy so I can tell Raiders fans what they're getting. I mean, we had stories already written by the guys that had, had covered them uh, throughout, and that was pretty cool. And, I mean, I just, the stuff that we were able to churn out just from, from you guys, and from our national staff and the college football staff throughout the weekend. Obviously, Dane Brugler, the beast leading up to it. And, and on Monday morning, he will be posting his 2021 mock draft. So, uh, so sick. That's just and- disgusting. That's just, <laughs> uh, I want to throw up right now. That's awful. <laughs> Well, what you guys have coming, uh, you guys got a, a depth chart coming out pretty soon, right? Monday uh, is yeah. Monday the, the offensive depth chart and Tuesday yeah, offense- defensive and special teams. We're gonna break it down. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find a role for Nelson Aguilar and Arden Key. That's my. That's my main guy. Main guy. I just can't wait to see to see where Tashawn has the quarterbacks listed. Is it gonna be Bowden one, Car two, Mariota three? Oh my god! All right. <laughs> okay, guys. Oh, Nathan Peterman. All right. Well, looking forward to all your guys' kind of follow up coverage from the draft. Uh, should be fun, and uh, we'll talk to you guys again sometime soon. See you later. Adios. See you.